Hello and welcome to Mending the Gap, your guide to women's mental health research. My name is Catherine Saunders and I will be your host. I'm a third year PhD student at the section of women's mental health at King's College London. In each episode, I'll be sitting down with the researchers themselves who are working to mend the gender gap in mental health research. In this episode, I'm taking you to a very special panel event named Women in Mind, Modern Slavery, hosted at Bush House at King's College London. This panel event aimed to facilitate discussion on human trafficking and modern slavery in conjunction with a new art exhibition called Sarah's Shammer, Modern Slavery, a new series of large-scale portraits by London-based Syrian artist Sarah Shammer. This exhibition, curated by Kathleen Soriano, is the result of a research-based King's Artist Residency undertaken by Sarah within the IOPPN, working with Dr. Sean Oram and in partnership with the Helen Bamber Foundation. Throughout this episode, you will hear from the expert panel discussing issues around modern slavery and the process of creating this incredibly moving exhibition. Please be aware that the subject of modern slavery and human trafficking is discussed in detail throughout this episode. First, let's hear from Dr. Claire Wilson, who will tell us a little bit more about Women in Mind, the special interest group who put this event together. Hello, um, my name is Claire Wilson. I'm a psychiatrist and researcher based in the section of women's mental health at King's College London. I'm responsible for organising these Women in Mind events in my capacity as the, the academic and events lead of the Women and Mental Health Special Interest Group of the Royal College of Psychiatrists. These are events that have been running for, for several years now and they aim to engage our audience in discussion with high-profile women about challenges um, to women's mental health across the life cycle and also to think about potential opportunities for optimising mental health um, more generally. The Women in Mind events are a collaboration between diversity and inclusion at the Institute of Psychiatry, Psychology and Neuroscience at King's College London and our own group, the Women in Mental Health Special Interest Group at the Royal College of Psychiatrists. To introduce us more generally to modern slavery as a topic, I sat down with panellist Professor Parosha Chandran, who tells us a little bit about her background. My name is Professor Parosha Chandran. Um, I am the Professor of Practice in Modern Slavery Law here at King's College London, where I teach an LLM course every semester, once a year. I'm also a barrister, I've been practicing for 22 years, and I'm a leading expert in the field of modern slavery and human trafficking. Parosha goes on to define modern slavery, telling me that modern slavery is a colloquial term and umbrella concept that encompasses a multitude of different forms of exploitation. This could include slavery, servitude, forced labour, the removal of organs, forced marriage and debt bondage, among others. She highlights that we want to be modern about how the law is applied. So the original legal definition was the exercise of ownership over a person. But this is slightly different in modern day slavery. I find that modern day slavery is treating a person as if they were owned, as if they were property. The bringing of a person into forced labour, requiring them to perform forced labour, 
is really subjecting somebody to compelled service in any form. Servitude has no legal definition, but it's forced labour plus. Human trafficking is another form of modern slavery, and that does have a legal modern definition from the 2000 UN Palermo Protocol, where it requires one of five acts, recruitment, transfer, transportation, harbouring or receipt of a person for the purpose of exploitation. And the exploitation can be any one of the forms I've mentioned, slavery, servitude, forced labour, removal of organs, forced marriage, that bondage. In the case of an adult, you also need to prove under the UN definition that there was what I call the trafficking trap used, which is that there was deception, coercion, abuse of a position of vulnerability, or threats or force or abduction, for example. I asked Parosha, given the shocking variety of forms that modern-day slavery can take, how many people do we estimate are affected by these forms of exploitation? Well, there are varying estimates that are published depending on what method is used, but the most recent figures from the International Labour Organization, uh, which is a UN body uh, and the Walk Free Foundation, is that there are an estimated 40.3 million people living in conditions of some form of bond slavery. What's shocking about this figure is also that during the transatlantic slave trade, between the 15th and 19th centuries, it's been estimated by experts that roughly 13 million people were captured and sold as slaves. So the people that we have today in our modern-day world who are enslaved in one way or another is more than three times that number of people. And I'm talking just about in the year 2019. Of those, around 25% will be children. Women and girls are around 71%. More than half are in some form of forced labour. Many are actually in conditions of forced marriage as well. So these are very staggering figures and it shows how important it is for us as human beings in today's world to understand what is going on around us. We also know that the UN Palermo Protocol on Trafficking gives us a very good formula for combating human trafficking and other forms of modern-day slavery, which is that it's a three-pronged approach. You can't just combat any of these things by protecting victims alone, or by prosecuting the perpetrators, or by having prevention strategies. You need to have a steady, good balance of all three. And what holds them all together in terms of a successful outcome will be the successful intervention, interaction, and partnership between civil society and the state. Finally, I asked Parosha what she felt the impact of modern slavery was on individuals who've experienced it. And she summed it up by saying that modern slavery wrecks lives. It takes the identity of the person and it reduces them to a commodity. Next, I speak to Dr. Sean Oram, who chaired the panel event this evening. She tells us all about the exhibition and her experience of the process of creating this exhibition with Sarah. 
Um, I'm Sean Oram. I'm a senior lecturer in women's mental health at King's College London. I'm also the lead academic for the uh, Sarah Sharma Modern Slavery exhibition and project, and I chaired the panel for the Women in Mind Modern Slavery event. Could you tell us a little bit about this modern slavery research project that you conducted? Yeah, so the project has taken place um, as part of the King's Artists programme, which is um, led by King's Culture. We also had support from King's Worldwide. And the programme works to link up academics and artists to um, collaborate on a, a research arts piece, um, thinking about um, an issue in new ways um, and communicating it to a new audience. So this particular project um, looked at modern slavery and in particular at survival and recovery from modern slavery. And so Sarah Shammer, who's the artist, and I worked together um, with another researcher, Dr. Victoria Williamson, who's based at King's, and with the Bamba Foundation, which is a charity that works with um, survivors of human trafficking and, and other forms of human cruelty, um, to conduct a number of uh, research interviews with women survivors of human trafficking and modern slavery, and with a variety of um, professionals. And then Sarah used um, the experience of talking with these women and these professionals to inform the creation of a, a series of large-scale portraits um, on the theme of survival and recovery from modern slavery. So how did the collaboration with Sarah Shammer come about? So Sarah had been interested for a number of years in, in modern slavery and um, her interest in the area had come about as a result of her having heard about the sale of Yazidi women um, by ISIS in, in open-air slave markets. And then when she came to the UK, she was really struck by and interested to hear about that um, modern slavery being a problem in the UK um, and the different forms that it took. So she was in contact with King's Culture and they put her in touch with me as an academic who works on issues of modern slavery and, and particularly around the psychological impact of that. And we worked together for over a year actually, kind of trying to pin down what the scope of the project would be and what our particular shared interest was before coming down on the on the issue of survival and recovery and thinking about how we could best explore that and communicate that. So it's been a project that's been quite long in the making. There's been lots of preparation and making sure that it was just right. Yeah, I think that's what um, I think Sarah would say the same, that the, the, the planning phase really did take a long time because we needed to make sure a, that we were both happy with the, the kind of the scope of the project but also that we could do it in a way that was safe that the women were going to be uh, physically safe that they were going to be psychologically safe so we worked with Helen Bamba Foundation to think about how you know, the questions we would ask how we would present the study and of course because it was a piece of research we had to go through research ethics and kind of get get those approvals in place as well and then you know the time taken to recruit the women to the study I think the actual painting Sarah's a remarkably quick painter so I think actually the, the creation of the work was was one of the fastest uh, components of the project so tell us about your experience from your perspective of this collaboration oh, it's been fascinating it's been really interesting to see research through through fresh eyes and also to think about different ways of communicating about modern slavery in particular which is something that I've worked on for several years and I think one of the, the problems I've had for 
a lot of years with the field is the the kind of reliance on very kind of reductive and graphic imagery and the use of kind of you know wire and ropes and handcuffs and puppets and spider webs in a way that doesn't feel very helpful can often feel quite offensive and you see that imagery a lot I often get asked to provide images to accompany kind of news pieces or features and it, and it is really difficult I think on a, on a, on a practical level having uh, being able to provide new imagery which is informed by the testimony of survivors I think is really helpful I think also it, it's been really exciting to think about other ways of communicating findings. And you know, I think as a as a researcher, you often can can struggle even when you're trying to find a really good quote that really summarises what it is a person was expressing. You still can't capture the kind of real complexity of a person's narrative um, and experiences. And and I think actually Sarah's work does that really well. Um, and so that's been really. Yeah, exciting and rewarding part of the process. Next, I speak to the artist herself, Sarah Shammer. We begin by talking a little bit about her background. I'm Sarah Shammer. I'm an artist, a Syrian artist. And I moved to London recently, three years ago. And I'm having an exhibition here in King's College, uh, London. Uh, modern sla- I called it Sarah Shama Modern Slavery. And could you tell us a little bit about your artistic background and what you use as inspiration for your artwork on a normal day? Yeah. Uh, so, artistic background, I started painting when I was very young. And I decided to be an artist when I was 14. Then I studied in an institute of fine art and after that in a university of fine arts for four years. So institute two years and university four years, and then I graduated. I started to make exhibitions everywhere. We then went on to speak about the inspirations behind her artwork on a normal day. Uh, my main inspiration uh, comes from the people. I love uh, their. Fe- I love to express their feeling, uh, their suffering, their joy. I love all state of mind and all state of bodies and all state of emotions of human beings. That's what inspires me the most. Given her interest in using human emotion as her inspiration, I asked Sarah how she found the experience of using modern slavery as the inspiration for her work. Uh, It's a very uh, dense experience, if we want to describe it like this. Uh, working with uh, Sean, with Dr. Sean Oram, is something new to me. This is the first time that I've done residency. This is the first time that I re- collaborate really with a scientist about a, a project and, and a subject. Uh, thinking about modern slavery, it's a, a very interesting subject to me because I always used to think about domestic workers in Syria and Lebanon in the Middle East and used to think a lot about early marriage and not only early marriage, all kinds of marriage. And also, uh, when ISIS kidnapped Yazidi women in northern Iraq and in Syria in 2014, I was very much interested, uh, inspired by this incident because they sell them as a sex slave uh, on a normal market. And I decided to do something about it. So when this opportunity with Kings happens, I thought that Kings would be the perfect partner for me because through them I will be able to meet many survivors in modern slavery and I will know more about this subject. I started to meet these women with the help of Helen Bamber Foundation 
uh, it was very interesting and very dense experience to me. Uh, after meeting them, I have to go deep through their personality. So I have to live the, the same life that they lived. I have to feel it. Because that's why you, uh, I would be affected of it. And after going deep inside this whole subject and be affected, I disconnect myself from it. And then I, I brought back everything I've learned, everything I felt in the form of a painting. That was my experience about it. I've learned a lot and uh, some of my, uh, and also I've done a new, new kind of series of my work, especially this eyes drawing. Uh, so I think it's a nice step in my career. Yeah, it's a wonderful exhibition. I mean, this subject is so difficult, even for people who work in it every day. Mm. You know, it's a subject that evokes real emotion. It's so prevalent. I wonder how, as somebody who you know doesn't work in this field every day and mm. maybe maybe is sort of in the process of learning about it, what it was like um, and how you remained resilient throughout the project. Mm. Uh, yeah. First of all, first, first when you, when I uh, started to think about it and started to meet these women, I was affected badly. Maybe I couldn't sleep for a day, and uh, I start to imagine noises, smells, everything, everything bad. But uh, after after this period pass, I disconnect myself from the whole issue. So this disconnection dis uh, make, makes it easier. easier. I dived uh, totally into this experience and then I decided to step back. And now that you've done it, now that the exhibition is mm. up and it's out there, I wonder what your thoughts are on collaborations like this between art and science to bring together one topic. Mm. I think it's interesting because thinking about science, any discovery, it has to start from imagination and art is all about imagination, it's all about revealing the subconscious mind, it's, it's all about dreaming in a way, that's how I see it. And uh, scientists, I think, that when they, they, that's how they start to think, that's how they start to discover, that's how they start to even teach about anything, that's what I think. Yeah. And I think there is a big relation between art and science throughout the history. So who created our colors? Who created all this material, strange material that we deal with? It's beautiful materials. It's all done by scientists at the end. Mm. And you were on the panel this evening. We've had the panel. Yeah. And I wondered what your reflections were on the points that were raised this evening. Mm. Uh, to tell you the truth, I learned a lot being sitting in this panel, especially from Rachel and from Parusha. I've learned many things, okay, I've learned a lot from Sean because we, I spent a lot of time with her. I, I was like a, a listener or I was like, like the audience because I was learning. Uh, and I think it's very interesting, this kind of panel. And for the audience, it's very nice to see artists with scientists. I like it. Yeah, I think having such a multidisciplinary approach was, yeah. was so wonderful and getting to hear lots of perspectives was, yeah. it really gave such a rounded view of mm. such a difficult topic. Sure. Yeah, so I agree, I, I, I listened intently. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, I sat down to talk with Rachel Witkin from the Helen Bamba Foundation to discuss her experiences of working with people who have been trafficked and the key messages to take away from the panel discussion. 
I'm Rachel Whitkin. I am the Head of Counter-Trafficking and Publications at the Helen Bama Foundation and I run the Counter-Trafficking Department. We have a very unique counter-trafficking program that looks after our clients who have been trafficked and who need to have a consistent place of safety and a welcome response from staff to keep them safe and to make to look in on them to make sure they're fine and to make sure they're going through all the legal procedures and difficulties that they face in housing welfare all of these things so we have a multidisciplinary team which includes doctors psychiatrists clinical psychologists therapists who can document mental and physical injury and also who can provide a specialized three-stage therapy model which begins with stabilization so that people can literally stabilize enough to be able to manage after a terrible situation like trafficking followed by when they're ready for it trauma focused therapy which is about confronting the experience very gradually with specialized clinicians and then finally reintegration which is where they start to move back and make their own networks in society and communities in employment in education often it takes a long time to get there and so we are there with them for as long as they need before they can really build independent lives and sustain long term recovery so it's a really comprehensive approach to helping people who've had this awful experience mm. and over quite a few years as well so from what you've said you see people for a really long time well the thing is that when they come out of trafficking there isn't this huge escape and then suddenly they have all of the room to recover and heal and have all the things that we'd hope they have in reality they're often in situations of extreme poverty destitution or they have to go through they've been in detention in administrative detention which is absolutely exacerbates the fears and problems that they have uh, some of them have been convicted and imprisoned for offences that they've committed or been compelled to commit in relation to their trafficking so they've had a lot of injustice to cope with and on top of that our clients are often in the asylum system they're trying to get recognition in the national referral mechanism for victims of trafficking and the delays and refusals in that system mean that you can often be working with someone for a period of a few years sometimes even longer and their recovery may undulate in relation to that so they have you know when problems come up you have to be there we have to maybe change kind of therapy approach change what we're working how we're working with them so we have to be flexible and we treat every single person as an individual it's amazing to have such an individualized approach and i think it's fascinating what you say about how somebody can be no longer in a trafficking situation but what they experience afterwards can bring up all sorts of things that they perhaps weren't aware that they were still feeling yes. even though they've they've got out of that situation themselves yeah i think that's very important it's amazing that you are if as a victim of trafficking you often feel very ashamed and stigmatized from what you've been through many people who've been subjected to sexual exploitation can come from cultures which completely abandon or stigmatize them on the basis that being raped and prostituted is their fault the telling the story of what's happened to them this happens to men as well of course uh, so we work with men who've been in sexual exploitation and forced labor who are deeply ashamed of having been subjugated in slavery so while we're working with them to be able to express and talk about what they've 
been through, which is so difficult for them. And while therapists are trying to very gently help them through the therapeutic experience, they receive letters from the Home Office saying, you're lying, it's not true. Everything you've said is, is is a lie, and this is why you've said you know you've said it wrongly here. You've remembered it wrongly there. We don't believe you, and that's actually really devastating when you see that close up. It can be very very distressing. So when that happens, you know you have to be there for them, and um, it can really cause cause a lot of distress. And I wondered if you could tell us how how did the Helen Bamba Foundation get involved with this project and with the exhibition? Well, we actually have a long relationship with Kings and with Sean Oram. So Sean is very well known in the trafficking and health and academia sphere. And we've always had a very warm partnership because of that. With this exhibition, I felt we felt that she was go- taking this further, you know, because as an academic, she's looked at a lot of statistics, a lot of findings. It's very clinical. And this hidden subject of who these people are that we all know between us in our professions is something that has now taken some shape because this amazing artist who is so responsive in her work has made shape of it which is acceptable whenever we put people who've been trafficked in magazines and newspapers this isn't something that we do but I'm just saying when you see that you I always feel worried for them because people can often be at risk and even just saying they've been trafficked can put them at risk let alone traffickers who might see it or other people who are a threat to them and it can make them very vulnerable and this is a way of seeing people in a real way and I know that because I see victims of trafficking close up which is quite profound and and brings you closer to the subject and I think that's what the general public needs as a bridge towards this subject so they feel more confronted by it but in a way that's doable for them so that they can come forward and maybe contribute to helping towards eliminating it and supporting the people who've suffered trafficking. It's definitely a subject that people are reluctant to shine a spotlight on Mm. for whatever reason. And it might be possible that there are lots of topics that have been that way in the past. Think about domestic Mm. violence and sexual violence. And maybe maybe the time is coming for modern slavery to have that spotlight and events like this help to do that. I think that's very true. And and actually, everything that was learnt on domestic violence has been a really good basis to come from for understanding how to work with victims of trafficking. Unfortunately, trafficking has another lens on it quite a lot, which is an immigration lens where people are primarily thought of as unwanted migrants in the country or you know, then their situation isn't understood. They have a lot of issues to do with cultural barriers of understanding language barriers. They need a lot of support and understanding to come through that. And that should not be in the way because they're victims of a really serious crime. And that fact has to come first, which means that, you know, criminal law enforcement against traffickers has to has to raise its game as well. So we've had the panel event. The panel event has happened and it was it was a fascinating discussion with brilliant insights from the panel themselves, but also really fascinating questions as well from the mm. audience. And I wondered what you would say are the key messages to take away from the panel, this panel on modern slavery. Yeah, I think that legal justice, Parosha was talking about that, is, is extremely important the, to have a justice framework and at this point to hold on to what we have in terms of 
the law and the structures and the frameworks we have internationally, which currently are looking a little bit shaky from the UK perspective. It's really important to keep those going because our international friendships across the world and the investigative mapping across the world as well is what helps us to defeat the crime. So I think that's very important. I also think health and well-being have to be at the absolute centre of all care for victims and survivors so that victims can actually become survivors and change that emphasis of victimisation into something that is amazing that they've come through such exceptional adversity but health care and health needs are really crucial to it and what's what I'm excited about is that is moving further in than when I started out in this subject it used to be that health care was a sort of side issue or a, an issue that people didn't really relate to and now it's right there in the center of what we need to do to sustain recovery and help people who've been trafficked so that, I would say, is a key message, as well as something I said on the panel, which is that all of us see people who are in slavery or have been in slavery. I would be sure that everybody in this room has sat on public transport where somebody of that uh, who suffered trafficking or is even entrapped in a trafficking situation is sitting in the same vehicle. You need to be that aware of it. It's in nail bars, it's in garages, it's in car washes, it's you know it's around and keeping eyes open is is important yeah i think that was such a striking moment when you said that um i felt the whole room kind of take a breath in mm. and, and really reflect mm. on that and think wow you know this isn't something somewhere far off this is happening on our doorstep yeah and it can be normalized it can look quite normal we we find at the helen bamba foundation that you know if you walk in the waiting room you might think it was quite a a normal group of people but when you when the doctors see them when the therapists see them when I see them and they start to feel more familiar and then you see the pain they're in the problems they have all of the things that come up and so it is something that is is hidden because people work on autopilot to survive they conceal their injuries or they don't even aren't even that aware of them it's it, they've been without health care or proper you know care for a very long time and so it takes them familiarising and building trust in order to be able to show you that they are injured and and to accept your help. And so that's quite a privilege, actually, to give that help, I think. So, there we have it. Inspiring and engaging experts giving us their perspectives on the topic of modern slavery. Thank you so much to Claire and Sean for inviting me to record at this event, and to the panellists for speaking with me about their experiences of engaging with this emotive and pressing topic. The Sarah Shammer Modern Slavery Exhibition is running until the 22nd of November 2019. Details on the exhibition itself, Women in Mind, IOPP and Diversity and Inclusion, and King's Artists are available in the show notes as well as resources for support if you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode. Please do rate and review, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Twitter, our handle is at MendTheGapPod, and join the conversation using hashtag MendingTheGap. We'll be back with a brand new episode very soon. Thank you for listening.